Tim, it's the Friday before Memorial Day. I don't know how many people have told me they thought it was Labor Day, and I think <laughs> I tell them I think it's that's at the end of the summer. But Memorial Day. That's the official kickoff to uh summer for most of us. I know kids in our neck of the woods are getting I think in fact today's the last day for most of the people around where I live, so I'm not sure about your kids when they get out, but I'm guessing it's this week as well. Yeah. And Memorial Day is, you know, barbecues and family and all that good stuff. But uh, it's a time for us to honor uh, those that gave the ultimate sacrifice. That's right. So, but I'll be honest, um, it's it's good to get out and celebrate. Uh, we all deserve it. Um, summer is upon us with the kids out of school, as you mentioned. Um, we're looking forward to some fun this weekend ourselves. But, yeah, take take a moment to... Think about those that gave the ultimate sacrifice so we can do what we do on Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. So, Tim, the people that may or may not know listening to this, people that know me, know that my hair color is what? White. (laughs) That's right. It's white. (laughs) Same as mine. So I got a haircut yesterday. Uh Uh-oh. And uh, I've been going to the same woman for 15 years in Sycamore here. and. Every time I tell her to, hey, we should put color in it or something like that, she always just kind of sneers and says, nah, we, that's not a good idea. And I said, what about you know cutting my hair bald? No, that's not a good idea. Well, JP, I'm going to jump in. You've got a nice quaff of uh, hair. As someone who's follically challenged as myself, I envy people that are our age like you that have a nice quaff of hair. <laughs> okay. So this <laughs> podcast is, you know, we're always good on fashion statements. So, so anyway, <laughs> there was another woman cutting someone else's hair and she came over and she's like, you know, they have a conditioner that can color hair and then it just washes out like after a week. And, um, and then my hair cutter said, well, there, yeah, there's a, also a shampoo that you can buy. And it colors your hair, um, whatever color you want. And so the woman, the other woman came over with this jar and it, <laughs> it seriously looked like, like motor oil, but it was purple. And I'm like, oof, yeah, I don't know. And then, uh, my hair dresser said, no, there's a, it's like a shampoo that you put on and, uh, it'll, and it's purple. It's a, like a violet tinge to it. And she said, you know, it'll, turn your head purple <laughs> and, uh, and it's not like overly dramatically purple. It's just got a, a slight tinge to it and it washes out in a few days. And <laughs> meanwhile, there's like this, this guy waiting for, for his haircut. And he's more like a Harley guy and he's just laughing the whole time listening to this. And so anyway, I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. So she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll re-shampoo your hair with this purple stuff. And so she's shampooing and it's got the lather and I, she goes, I wish I had a, you know, a mirror. And I said, well, I can look on my phone, you know, it's the 21st century, Tim. And I said, I look on my phone and there it is, this big purple giant, I don't know what you call it. And she goes, no, you know, when it washes out, you'll, you'll notice, you know, it's not that dramatic. Oh, good. So she washes it all out, dries it all out, um, you know puts a little gel on my hair. She goes, you're ready to go, Tim. I'm going to show you my hair. What color does it look like? It's not as, yeah, <laughs> it's as white as it can be. It's, it's normal. <laughs> I think I got 
ripped off, Tim. I got I got scammed. I was expecting I was expecting like Guy Fieri or something popping out of the hat. So I got twenty five dollars down on this uh, this uh, shampoo that's supposed to color your hair. I'm gonna try it again until it does turn purple. So I'm gonna keep at it. I'm gonna keep at it. And and you and you decided purple's the color you want to go with. Purple gets attention, Tim. It, we know it is that. My, you know, truth be told, it's my favorite color. Yeah, it was my uh, mother-in-law's favorite color too. So, in honor of her, I'm going to have purple hair. I think I think my wife had a purple streak in her hair for a couple months, a few years back, when she went through that phase. Uh, you'll look good. I did bleach the back of my hair once, and it was like, you know, the sandy red. You know, when I when I had color in my hair, it was sandy yeah. red, and then I had like this this bleach <laughs> white in the back. Kind of when I was sporting a mullet. I don't know why I did that. Look ridiculous, but in the eighties, it was it was <laughs> something we did in the eighties. I had big big rock star hair in the eighties as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about a couple topics. Um, I recently posted a story on mechanicalhub.com. It's actually on all three. So if you go to Hydronics Hub or plumbingperspective.com, mm-hmm. you can find it. But it's this infiltration, I don't know if that's the right word, of private equity firms purchasing uh, HVAC companies. And uh, did a little research on it, talked to um, a couple a couple industry experts, Dan Foley of Foley Mechanical and Mike Prinkavage Jr. out of California. Um, mm-hmm. They had some thoughts on it. Why, why are people, or not people, but private and investors, private equity firms, and other outside influences getting interested or more involved or you know acquiring these, these uh, HVAC companies? So you can find... Some of the answers there, I mean, this is all based on opinion, you know, uh, my opinion and their the people I interviewed opinion. There's a couple examples of some actual transactions that have taken place over the last like month or two. Yeah, I'd say these are some pretty educated people you're talking to. And, and I, I think the reasoning behind, you know, looking at the opinion piece, pretty spot on, especially the, you know, the renewable energy from my perspective, thinking yeah. about the technology that's just around the corner or that's being developed today and the greening of society. I I think there's a lot of spot on uh, opinions you've got there, John. Check that out again. It's on uh, mechanicalhub.com. I mean, you should be going there every day, right, Tim? What should we tell our people? Absolutely. And, and, And you know, the funny, the funny part about this piece, and as you were talking, you and I talked about this piece for about the last week, you'd, talk to me about some of it and i didn't realize just the number of small service companies that are being bought out by larger these some of these vencap or uh private equity groups that are bu- coming in sweeping up and buying service contracting companies i was i was kind of shocked by that vencap tim i like that it's like uh j-lo come on VenCap. vencaps tend to be more new technology and stuff like that whereas Private equity groups are the ones usually coming in buying these service companies. But yeah, there's a lot of venture capitalist money coming into the industry as well because there's a lot of new technologies, as I said, with renewable energy, efficiency uh, standards. In fact, we talked about that on a podcast yesterday that be live next week. Um, now, there's a lot of buzz in the in- industry about 
things that are going on. And as you said, you can't replace people that walk in homes to do the service work. All right. Second topic. You had emailed me this morning mm-hmm. uh, an article, kind of an op-ed piece from Ed Brady. He's mm-hmm. the uh, president and CEO of Home Builders Institute. He wrote kind of a piece, and we got to give the uh, the resource and the site credits, probuilder.com. It's professional yep. builder. It used to be, I think they still publish a magazine. but I uh, think they do as well. Professional Builder Magazine. And he wrote a, a, an op-ed piece and his opinion on uh, immigration reform. And I think it really hits home with the construction industry, you know, the trades. Um, there needs to be some sort of uh, reassessment of, you know, immigration reform. There has to be some new new laws in place. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at some labor shortages and Massive labor shortages, not just small labor. Sh- I mean, these are pretty across the board, massive labor shortages. And with the, the issues with the number of homes that we have available, yeah, something's got to happen. I And I hate to say it, but I think the politicians across this country need to pull their heads out of their ass and really focus on some key issues that are affecting our everyday lives. And immigration is one of them. And And listen, you know, if you look at immigrant workers, and these are documented immigrant workers, these are some of the hardest working people on the planet. And so it just behooves everyone to have kind of a sensible plan in place to, uh, you know, to have this immigration reform and and to put some of these, these people who are entering the country into jobs that could be, um, you know, fill, fill into these trades. And like I said, construction industry. And maybe it's a little bit, since we're in it, we see it, but the rhetoric you hear on the far left or the far right, let's build a wall or let's give everybody the opportunity to walk in. Come on, let's be reasonable. There's got to be some sort of middle ground that we can agree on that really gets, you know, the building happening, the farmers farming. I mean, immigrants, think about who washes the dishes and in the restaurants who's picking the lettuce in California or avocados in Florida. You know, these are all jobs that unfortunately people that look like you and I, John don't want and don't do. So we've got to do something to help small business owners across this country do a job that, you know, needs to be done. I'm just looking over some of the bullet points he provided. Again, this is on uh, probuilder.com mm-hmm. professional builder. Says immigrants already account for more than thirty percent of all workers across the nation's construction trades. Uh, concentration of immigrants is even higher in some of the trades need needed to build a home, such as plasters and stucco masons. Fifty for fifty six percent drywall guys. Fifty two percent. When I say guys, I mean guys and girls. I'm just old school. <laughs> uh, roofers forty eight percent. Painters forty seven percent. Carpet, tile, floor installers, 43%. Construction laborers, 38%. So that's a pretty pretty uh, stark representation of the workers in, in the industry that, are, that have immigrated here. So. And not to mention with the sheer number of people you know, that are leaving the industry for multiple reasons, some of age. Um, there's a, I think I saw where there's 
uh, a million and a half jobs to be had over the next five years, uh, or a million and a half homes that are we're short of in supply and demand here in the U.S. And uh, we need approximately 723,000 new workers to meet that demand. Where is that coming from? We've, we've got to figure something out. Yeah. And, you know, he goes on to say, you know, this is 22 years ago, but, you know, September 11, 2001, you know, there was the obvious fear of, of, you know, people that don't look like you and me in the country, right, Tim? And so the federal immigration reform was just kind of placed on hold and uh, just became this partisan bickering back and forth for the past 20 something years now. And, you know, that was a major event back then, 20-something years ago. And now, you know, three years ago, there was a major event, the pandemic, COVID. And that just kind of compounded issues with more people wanting to stay home or finding jobs through the Internet or social media or, you know, they, or at least there's a thought that people would. I think my son thinks he's going to become a gamer. And... uh <laughs> Well, it's quite possible he could. <laughs> he could. But I'm trying to prepare him for, you know, real life as he's, you know, he's at these he's at these formative years where he's 16. Well, he'll be 16 in a few months. And John, um, at 16, I thought I was going to be a second baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. So I get. Yeah, but you still his- could be. <laughs> Not hardly. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. But there's you got to have plans you have to yeah i agree i agree well and i you know as ed mentions in his op-ed piece that there's a huge housing shortage and the construction labor shortage only yeah makes it bigger and the availability and affordability of homes in america right now is at its worst ever um you know it's hard think about all these kids in their 20s and early thirties, they're trying to buy a home for the first time. I can tell you in the market that my wife and I are in right now in the Phoenix area, uh, down here for the summer, you can't find a home under $600,000 that you'd want to live in. Um, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. The cost of housing because of the lack of inventory, you've got driving up interest rates, kids in their twenties and thirties may never own a home. It seems, yeah. you know, they may just be stuck living in mom and dad's basement or running a house with five or six friends. I mean, it's, it's really that bad. Okay. I'm going to read another bullet point. It's fairly long, but it's got some good stats in here. It says the construction labor force, including both native and foreign born workers was back to pre pandemic levels by 2021. While single family housing starts increased 27% between 2019 and 2021. That dynamic illustrates how incredibly tight the construction labor market was at the time, exacerbated by the fact that by 2021, the annual flow of new immigrant workers into construction slowed to the lowest levels in a decade. This trend has continued despite good-paying jobs that are available to anyone willing to learn new skills and work hard. That's work hard, Tim. Yeah. yeah. uh, (laughs) Hourly wages in construction are higher than in any other industries, the average hourly earnings in construction have increased 5.4% since last year to approach $36 per hour. For context, the average hour- hourly wage in manufacturing is 31 
$1,500,000.80. In trade, transportation, and utilities, it's $2,767. And in the private sector, it's $3,320. So, I mean, I mean, this is good living. Good living. Immigrant or not, I mean, the trades, we keep talking about it, yep. is, you know, the trades and construction, there's work. It's a good living. It's, you know, you can make a really decent salary. Just got to keep, uh, you know, pushing this message out. Like I said, this is uh, from Ed Brady, and we had him on our podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, we've had him on the podcast. Yeah, so he is the president and CEO of Home Builders Institute. You can go over to ProBuilder.com to check out his full his full uh, article there. So it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Shines a light on. It's stuff we talk about a lot, um, and hopefully something happens. Like he says at the end of the op-ed piece, it's you know having some sort of immigration reform is good business, it's good policy, and it's good for everyone seeking a decent place to call home. I, I yeah. spot on. Big plans for the holiday weekend there, John? Tim, I think one of the days we're having a barbecue with some friends. Well, uh, and then another day was asked to take the boat out and kind of tool around with the family. Wow, that's my sister and brother-in-law and maybe somebody else to go on the Rock River. The Rock River, Tim. Okay, yeah. And just go cruise around. Sounds like fun. I mean, uh, will you be doing the barbecue or are you going to a barbecue? I will be doing it, Tim. Excellent. I am smoking a pork shoulder all day Saturday, and then once that's done, we're probably going to do some brats and burgers and stuff, and just have a blowout. You know, nineteen ninety nine, Tim. Anyway, that's that's the story. What do you got going on? Um, not a whole lot. I'll watch the Indy five hundred. That's a tradition in my household on Sunday. Probably watch a little bit of the Coke six hundred as well. We're a racing family, so we like to watch a little bit of racing. I've got um, – I may go watch the NCAA golf championships that are not too far from where I'm at. I may go watch that on Saturday for a little bit because the Illinois golf team is in it as well as uh, there's a K-State golfer that is in it. So I go and cheer on the Illini and my K-State alumni golfer and probably do that on Saturday and then Monday – just hang out. Get ready for the work week. All right, Tim. One one last thing. It's something that's been on my mind. It's really important. So Buffalo Trace whiskey, Tim. It's uh it's it's one of my buddy's favorite whiskeys. He lives up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And every time I go up there, I stop at the store and I try to find a bottle before I stop over at his house. And he's like, You'll never find it up here. And I'm like, What 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 why? So it's like this most popular whiskey. It's cheap and it's like they distribute it on a limited basis. And so the last few times, even down in Illinois where I shop and stuff, it's just empty shelves where it says Buffalo Trace whiskey. Then I went to the local liquor store and uh, there's a big display, like a kiosk, Buffalo Trace whiskey. And on the shelves are like, Yellowstone whiskey, uh, blackened or whatever that is. Blanton's from the t- bullet and yeah. And so real quick, I, I, I was like, I walk up, I was walking out of the liquor store and one guy looks at me and he goes, can I help you find something? And I said, 
Well, evidently, <laughs> the whole state of Illinois does not have a bottle of, of Buffalo Trace. He goes, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And so he goes to the back, and the employee behind the counter who was standing next to him at the time, he looked at me and he goes, well, sometimes he puts, you know, bottles of Buffalo Trace in his in his office. And I'm thinking, like, what is <laughs> – Either you 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 get it off the truck and you just take it home, or the employees get first dibs on it. But he comes out and he's got two bottles and he's like, "Here, you, you how many do you want?" And I said, "I'll just take one." But what? <laughs> I still don't understand the myth behind Buffalo Trace. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of myths about a lot of whiskeys, and you know, Pappy's is another one. Pappy Van Winkle, I, all of which. Look, I like Buffalo Trace. It's not my go to i'm more of a bullet rye if i'm using it for a, a you know a manhattan or an old fashioned you're in wisconsin though if you're drinking old fashioned you better have brandy um otherwise i just yeah it's overrated it's not bad but i it's not it's not favorite. overrated it's 20 22 a bottle that's yeah fine. I mean, it's, and it tastes okay to me but um i just can never find it they've they've got um Buffalo Trace has a one of their it's basically their lowest price point bottle. I think it's called Watermark. Micro, okay. uh, is it Watermark? I think I forget. I've got a bottle at home. It's like 17, 18, sometimes as low as 14 bucks. Yeah. And it's it's basically Buffalo Trace. It's not bad. Yeah. Um so you can I can find that at Benny's or any of the you know local grocery stores around my neck of the woods but well, I hope your buddy likes it. <laughs> he does like it. He likes it. Problem is, it goes by. It, it disappears quickly, so I have to find more. But uh, anyway, I'll uh, I'll keep up the the hunt for yeah the investigative work on trying to find. That's your next in depth up op ed piece for mechanicalhub.com. Well, no, you know, there's like Facebook posts that have like, hey, you know, here in town is the cheapest gas. Go over here. Or, you know, maybe there's an app or actually my my truck has an app where I can go on it shows all the gas stations and yep. like the five mil. But maybe I should do that with Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. Do it with all whiskey. Then yeah. it's really all encompassing. You probably here's where you can go to find your favorite whiskey. Have a wonderful Memorial Day, uh, everybody. Be safe out there. Go, go read John's piece in Mechanical Hub, Plumbing Perspective, or Hydronics Hub.